What is going on? I want to welcome you from our court for today, September 21st. I am your host, Sean Murphy, alongside my guy, Jeff. Hi, Freddy. Jeff, good to see you, my friend, as always. Dude, we got the matching background now, too. I like that we're, we're I love that we're getting the vibe, man. It looks great. We're twinning. No, I, I listen, I had the Jade Ivy and Adam Silver beforehand, but after all this Sarver stuff, all right, I'm not putting Silver behind me for the time being. Right, you know, sticking. I actually respect Amen that. to that. Amen to that. Yeah. We're it, sticking it, with Cade and, and Sadiq. And this looks like we're in like it lo- this looks like we're in the same studio. You know what I mean? Like it looks like, dude, right it looks like, oh, oh man, I could reach over and just kiss you on the cheek. Oh. I'm, <laughs> I'm out of here. Like as a brother, you know what I'm saying? Come on now, dog. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. But also joined today, not by our usual guy, Troy Sergi, as he actually flew today to Hawaii for his honeymoon. Bougie we are joined Troy. by Steve of the Detroit Bad Boys, also a regular on Woodward Pistons Table Talk. Steve, it's good to have you here. And dude, it's, thank you so much for bringing Joe with you. Joe and his two phones, man. It's it's one of my favorite traditions of every table talk. Yeah, he said he wants to chime in today, but I don't know. He's on the phone with LeBron. He's trying to call him from the future to let him know what his Cleveland Cavalier team is going to look like mm-hmm. um, to try and convince him to go to Detroit. But I don't know if it's going to work. I, I think he was also seeing if Detroit wanted to wave and stretch Josh Smith for just a little longer and see if like they want to just add that contract even longer to their books. <clears throat> But yeah, that's what the t- that's what the second phone's for is is so like seeing if he can go to the bank get more money so we can get Josh Smith paid. Jesus but that's Christ. that's okay. But Steve, <laughs> one thing one thing about you, I mean, obviously, you know, you you write for Detroit Bad Boys, do good work over there, and you, you come and bring a lot of analysis with us each and every week, uh, every Thursday night. But one thing about you specifically, in that something that you and I always talk about. You're like, hey, man, if you ever want to talk the draft, I love talking the draft. And there's a lot of guys that say that. But, Steve, can you break down just exactly how much film you've watched <laughs> and how many different prospects that you currently have done homework on? Because it's insane. Yeah, 58 guys is the list right now. I have 24 the sleep for the um, just the, like the lottery preview. There's 20 guys that could be in lottery range. My top 10, really my top like 12 are probably going to be locked um, into the lottery no matter what. There's the final like two or four that will probably be wrong. Um, I believe my returning guys, uh, returning NCAA list is like 13, I want to say. I can give you uh, exact numbers here. And then my sleepers is 13 guys um, of guys I've looked at. So 22 um, NCAA basketball returning guys, 20 uh, looking at the, just the guys that'll be in lottery range, all freshmen, all like 18 year old dudes with the exception of the Thompson twins. And then uh, 13 um, sleeper guys that I really like dug deep into. And I've at least watched like five or so film uh, on each guy and the returning guys. I try to watch all the film because most of them I've already watched like all the film on like Arthur Kaluma. I'm sure anybody that's a draft head has watched all that film from last year. So that's what I do in my spare time. I'm always at a computer anyway. Um, in my day job, I teach here at the University of Arizona in Tucson. That's where me and Joe are currently. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm always at a computer writing, grading, doing something like that. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's awesome, man. So like how, how like if you had to like put like an estimate, like how many hours a week would you say do you spend like watching film on prospects, 
you know, doing draft analysis, looking at like future players. Like how, how many hours a week would you say you dedicate to that? Mm, let's see how many hours would be in a week then 24 times seven is what? Oh, it's like 104. There's listen, man, my, my head, I, I'm not, I, I just drove over for, for Troy's wedding. I did 17 <laughs> hours of driving in like a matter of three days. My brain mm-hmm. is currently born a close right We'll just classify it as a lot. How about that? Yeah. The, so yeah. 168. So I just ran the numbers 168. I'd say about a third uh, on like busy weeks. So about 56 hours. And then on like weeks where I don't have to grade or do much other things, I'd say about half of that. Um, I mean, I just love watching basketball. So what so, can I say? And I, so, I like the draft process, the ability to like try and see who's going to be good, try and look in the past too to get an idea of like, oh, this guy was passed over for this reason. Uh, the decline of the center, like who are the guys that, you know, might buck that trend? Why would you take a center? Uh, right. All that stuff. Yeah. I so wanna... Jeff, when I, when I said this guy watches draft stuff, like, and we wanted to talk some, I didn't just bring on just anybody, no, dude. No. And, and trust, I want to ask you, Steve, too. Like you just said, what the amount of hours you watch film is what some people work in a week at a job and you have a job. So you're, you're working mm-hmm. and you're watching film. I want to ask you like just a personal question. Like when did this start? When is your obsession with the game with watching film? Cause it's like, we all, it's, it's fun. We all talk about it and, and this is our livelihood, but for you, like when did it start for you? Uh, well, growing up, like I was a big fan of those Hornets. I was a bad fan of the bad boys. Obviously I love like watching lamb and, and Barkley go at it and fight all the time and horn throwing elbows and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I really like fell more in love with basketball with grandma, mom, Bugsy Bogues, Alonzo Mourning, Del Curry, that nineties Hornets team. And I mean, I think if they'd have stayed in Charlotte and that team would have stayed together, I probably would have stuck with that team, but they, they um, broke up and, and LJ, grandma, Ma, Larry Johnson, he's kind of ahead of his time in that like undersized power forward who could do everything past shoot. Yeah all that stuff. I love those shoes. He wore those converse too. I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember the, oh, like, yeah. the old lady in the shoe ads. Yeah. Those were awesome. And then for college, I mean, growing up, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So college basketball was the the ticket in town. Um, when I grew up, when I was a kid, Kenny Thomas, Charles Smith, those were the teams. Kenny Thomas, longtime vet. He was on the Kings. He was on AI Sixers and stuff. Um, he was like the man, you know, at that time. And those, those teams were really good. And then when I went into college, Batman himself, Danny Granger was there. Um, got to see him a couple of times, uh, throw up. I always say if he's, if he had just stayed healthy one extra year, LeBron's history probably is rewritten different because these (laughs) teams would have looked completely different. I mean, they took him to the brink without Granger and Granger was like pre-KD. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think I really got into like breaking down film more when i moved to michigan so i went to michigan for grad school i was there from 2012 until just last year 2021 um started going to pistons game fall in love more with the city of detroit uh very similar to albuquerque in a lot of ways of just like a bad reputation but not one that's not warranted i mean it has bad spots just like anywhere else but it's so full of culture and flavor and just all the people i've met and everywhere i went was always so welcoming um to me from like mexican town to greek town but the, the team sucks so bad. <laughs> you know, it was so bad. I still have my Greg Monroe Motor City jersey in the Let's in, go. in the closet here. Moose. Um, yeah, Moose was like in his second year, I think 2012 when I started, maybe third year when I started watching. And so I started just trying to see like ah, who are the next guys coming up in the draft. And then just got more and more into the film about who's going to be good and then started looking at more things like oh why did jimmy butler Kawhi leonard paul george get passed over and 
and like wings kind of run the the league now and just started reading up from yeah. a bunch of different other people um like sam Vecini from the athletic rafael barlow who's uh, nba big board now back then it was nfl or nba draft junkies excuse me uh keandre on hoop intellect like i just started binging like as much uh, other draft experts and learning from them as i could you know what can i ask you too just now living in arizona What's the perspective as a Pistons fan outside of Michigan? Because, like, I, I obviously we surround ourselves. Everybody we know is is pretty much a Pistons fan. But what's the perspective? What's the narrative out in Arizona about the Detroit Pistons that you have to correct at times? Where you're like, hold on, guys. Like, I, I'm a fan of the team because I feel like a lot of people outside of Detroit, like when you hear that, like for example, Stephen A. Smith. I know he's the obvious example, but when he first hears Detroit, he's like, well, y'all ain't winning. Like, you don't you don't actually know what's going on in Detroit. What's what's the narrative, man, in Arizona? What's going on? So yeah, I teach at the basketball team themselves. They do. Yeah, yeah. I, I teach at the University of Arizona. All the students, the faculty, when they see piss and stuff, they all say the same thing. Cade, man, Cade's coming up. Cade's <laughs> awesome. You guys got got one of the best coming up. That's honestly the narrative out here. Like nobody really talks trash about him. And I think it's because Devin Booker's from Michigan too. Like, so he's talked a That's lot true. about being from Michigan. Uh, being from Detroit and all that. So they got respect for it. Um, and people here know basketball between here with um, Coach Lloyd now, used to be Coach Miller, um, even the, the women's team, Coach Barnes, awesome coach, amazing coach. I love her. And then up in Phoenix um, with Monty Williams and that, that staff. And then even at ASU, even though boo ASU, um, <laughs> but Bobby Hurley's a good coach too. I mean, so people here know basketball. They're not just going to diss on random people it's not like being in right. philly you know where it's philly or die yes yeah now steve i do want to correct you real quick uh, how dare you not know your michigan geography no i'm just kidding but um <laughs> devin booker is is actually not from detroit oh, grand rapids not, excuse me yeah he's from grand rapids which is actually my hometown my boy d book actually had to get physical That's dude had to get the physical copy this year because my guy is on the cover and i'm actually glad he was on this year because like dude i've already put so many hours jeff i'm already at 60 hours <laughs> hey, in this in this year's 2k i I'm, I'm with you and for a reason you just mentioned devin booker's my favorite player like not a lot of people know that like i, I cover the pistons but devin booker has been my favorite like i have his jersey hanging up in my room right now i love devin so that makes it even more ironic too that you're from arizona but had to get the 2k man he's on the cover Heck yeah, man. yeah, he's Absolutely. he's one of those guys too that like if if you don't like him, like I question why why do you watch Dude, basketball? Yeah. Like he's just smooth him. and got everything, man. Yeah, exactly. Now, Steve, I do want to you know talk about that obsession and and, and kind of dive a little bit more and pick your brain into the guys that you're really enjoying to see and and coming up pretty soon. I want to know some guys that you would love to see in a Pistons uniform, and we'll talk about that in a minute because this is from half court reach, and every week we talk all things nba basketball if you like that be sure to like this video subscribe to the channel and be sure that you're hitting that notification bell so that you know when all that great content is coming your way now obviously like i said earlier we are normally joined by our guy troy sergi i mentioned earlier that he is going to hawaii and i just wanted to quick give him a shout out here on the podcast specifically congratulations to my guy because he did get married this weekend i was in the wedding we had a really great time, so it was a real pleasure to uh, have that time out with him. Super proud of him, and uh, we'll be looking forward to having him back next week. But just, uh, yeah, man, just really proud of him. Love him a ton, and uh, we miss him. However, having Steve with us is a great honor and a, and a great pleasure. So be sure you're following uh, Steve on Twitter at Burke Worldwide. 
I didn't re- even realize that I wasn't following him. And I, I was like, dude, what in the I world just is wrong with me? I yeah. If I can, if I can correct you though, it's Borke Worldwide. I'm from Albuquerque. Oh. That's a play oh, I am on the if worst. You, I am the if worst. You watched, if you watch Step Brothers, you probably get the reference. Oh, yeah. yep, yep. Okay, yep. There you go. Yep, Borke Worldwide. All right, there we go. I, I will get it right, my friend. I promise. Be sure. You oh, it's all good. It's there. one of those things. If you're not from there, you don't know. It's like if you're not from Detroit and somebody says American Lafayette, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> but. Whatever it is, dang it, follow my guy on Twitter, but also be sure you're following my guy Jeff as well at Jeff Iafrady and tuning in Monday through Friday on the Morning Woodward Show. You you and Adam are killing it, by the way, man. You guys uh, pretty much called this this game this past week to a T, so uh, we're Thank proud you. of you guys. And that hey, at, we were on one this morning, man. A lot of hookah being blown in that studio. Yeah, of- man, that guy is going to get like a freaking nicotine coma at some point. Adam was straight up sitting on the couch after the show for about an hour and a half just sitting there like this he's like he's like dude i don't feel good <laughs> dude i was like what happened the last time i was in town yeah. after the nba draft he was like it was like ah, dude i'm like well you, you were puffing out a like, hookah for two hours like and he I, was like i smoked too much hookah i'm like yeah you did you dumbass <laughs> dude, it was in a it was in a red solo cup i'm like i don't know I, I I don't trust where that came from, but Adam was we were we were on one this morning. I mean, hey, I actually know how hookah works. I know the whole process. Did he didn't he put it in like an orange, dude? No, this time it was like a to go cup. Like I, I it must oh. it might have been an orange still, but it was like a red solo cup with tin foil on it. I, I don't know how the mechanics work, but he walked in with a tin foil on top of a uh, red solo cup. I'm like, what the hell is that? He's like, it's a to go cup for hookah. I'm like, you can get to go to go cups with hookah. I did not even know that was a thing. I mean, I don't go to hookah bars, but you yeah. had it in a red solo cup. Yeah, that's yeah, that's uh, that's 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 a uh, you woke up late. You're you're just looking for something quick. That's that's what that is right there. But hey, we love Adam nonetheless. But I uh, but Steve, we were actually talking about this for the pod, and it's funny that you uh, that you were coming on this week of all weeks because into in the day of all days because just this afternoon, Shams broke the news um, that um, that it looks like for the upcoming. Uh, collective bargaining agreement looks like new items and things that will be in that agreement include draft age eligibility going from 19 to 18 which would be the return of high school to the nba and a measure that would allow players citing mental health similar to physical injury which um which was actually cited to be something that was very much championed by guys and that were at the forefront were guys like Mar DeRozan and Kevin Love when they were talking out about mental health a few years back. So just wanted to give a shout out to those guys on that as well. I think that's a I think the mental health thing especially is just a huge win um, just for just for the players and for the well being. And I, and I just uh, it, the NBA is always forefront of things like that. So mm-hmm. for a league that's had a lot of losses over the last week as far as how they've handled certain things, that's a pretty good thing. Uh, for them to do but um, I do want to talk more so about the high school eligibility aspect because I'm not gonna lie for years uh, I kind of was of the opposite thought that I thought it should go in the other direction I was of the opinion that if guys could get an NIL deal or start getting some form of payment to be in college that the benefit of being uh, you know being in a university or being in a setting where they can grow their game become more mature you know, like not have that pressure beyond them day one uh, would be something of benefit. But I think I've just I've just come to the point that if a guy's going to get drafted out of high school, number one, 
he's going to more than likely get drafted number one two years, you know, two years in the future anyway. And with all these options and all these alternatives of of the G League of of going and playing overseas at that point, why rush it? Like, like why why delay it? Why not have these guys come in and if if there are certain players that are truly ready and are truly able to make that jump. I mean, we've seen so many players make the jump and be great. So I think I'm of the opinion now personally where, you know, it's just time. It was inevitable. But Steve, what are your thoughts and how do you think this is going to affect, you know, the way that players make these decisions? And do you think we're going to see a lot of players make the jump out of high school? I think initially they're going to try. I don't know if they can still maintain eligibility the way like college guys do, you know, where they're like, I'm testing the waters. um, I'm still retaining my eligibility. If that's the case, then I think like just about everybody in that top, I don't know, 10, 15 is going to test the waters because why not? Right. Um, But I'm glad that it happened too. I used to be of the mindset too of like, no, they need to have three years. They need to get ready. But it's like they're in a profession where they're, they're on a ticking time clock. Right. Every time they step out on the court, they're wearing their knees out. They're wearing their body out. So that's why like coming out of high school is useful for them. It's, if this is their intended line of work, then they should get into it sooner rather than later. Because again, you never know what's going to happen. Um, you only have a limited amount of time in your body. Father time is undefeated. That's always good. And again, like boosters, we all know they can be toxic. Yep. And that system is not that it's going away, but I think, you know, removing that college experience where they get in their ear, they, you know, coaches ears and stuff. Not that that can't happen in the NBA, but it, it's one less step in that direction too, to where mm-hmm. they can get with the team, the trainers, the staff. And we have teams at the lower half of the NBA now, like the Spurs, like the Pistons, even the Magic that are committed to developing guys long-term, making sure they take care of their bodies, making sure they take care of themselves and not about like trying to pump up the university. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah. For sure. And Jeff, I don't know about you, but I think one moment that I look back in particular as like a moment that kind of shifted my uh, my mindset on this was I remember a particular when uh, it was North Carolina versus Duke and it was Zion Williamson, you know, in Cameron Red Fieldhouse. Yep. And and he just within eight seconds blew out his shoe. And it was one of those moments that, you know, luckily it wasn't anything major, but that could have changed the entire trajectory of of his family's fortune yep. and his overall, you know, legacy. And I think for me at, at that moment, personally, I don't know about you, but at, at that moment, I was like, just get this guy to the league. He doesn't need to be in college. He's too good. Yeah. I mean, some guys are just built like that. Like Zion could have been in the league out of high school. Like there's no question about it. I think with the NIL now it's, it's definitely even, you know, pushed me further in that direction because co- kids now, if you feel like you need more time to develop, you can go to college and make money and develop. So it's a win-win either way. If, if you could play, you could play. And I think with the NBA nowadays, it's a lot less physical. So players now, even entering the age of 18, you know, you're going in, yeah, you're, you're going to have a lot more pressure, but guys are going to be able to adjust, like as opposed to back then coming in at 18 in a much more physical league. So I, I love this, man. I mean, th- there's been rumors, you know, with LeBron and Bronny now that Bronny's approaching that age. So um, I think it was the right decision for the NBA. And I think it just makes the most sense because, it's not football. You don't need to go to college for three years to get your man body. Like if you could play, you could play, especially in the NBA. And like you said, Steve, your body, like you, you don't want to have to go to college. Now, well, now it's different because you make money, but even with Zion, like you could, you wasn't getting paid. Who knows? I mean, at least under the table, who knows, but going to Duke, if you have a significant injury, 
like that that will hurt the trajectory. He doesn't maybe he doesn't go number one. So I like it for the NBA. It's good for these kids. And like I said, if you're if you're built physically, especially how kids nowadays, man, like they're built different. Like a lot of these yeah. kids coming up, you're like, dude, this guy can play in the NBA right now. I think R.J. Barrett, I can even argue, was another one of those guys. We're coming out. I'm like, this dude is just built to be in the league right now. So I love it. I got no problem with it. Yeah, for sure. Now, Jeff, you just brought up a name of of one of the one of the hottest names, perhaps in recruiting in the past twenty years, Bronny James. Um, you know, he's a guy that. He's a kid that specifically people, you know, have have anointed already as, you know, what will he be like in the league with his father? You know, like people are, you know, people are talking about where LeBron would possibly try to go in order to play with his son. Um, And I think for a while, a lot of people were avoiding having that conversation and that evaluation, because I think, quite frankly, I think a lot of people learned from how LeBron was treated in high school. And I think how a lot of those prospects were treated. And I think making any judgments on their ability and who they are as people at, at a younger age, you just generally don't want to do. Right. But I think he's such a prominent name and I think he's so, you know, he's of the age now where he's being talked about as being recruited and getting scholarships you know, people. You know, people are looking at him in the realm of would NBA teams make moves in order to go get Bronny James if that secures them LeBron James someday. At that point, we got to talk about it, right? I'm curious if you've seen any of 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 Bronny James's film or anything that he's had out there. If you have or haven't, like what your you know what your thought process has been on that personally for what I've seen and from a lot of the reading I've done from the film I've seen, it looks like Bronny James would be a, a low first round high to mid second round player. If he were to go out straight out of high school. And even then that might be a stretch. He right now, he's probably he right now. A lot of, a lot of places have him ranked around as like a 40 or 40 or 50th best prospect in the class. What are your thoughts, Steve? I like him. The, uh, the way I can describe it is he plays like a coach's son. Super good shooter, number one. He has good footwork. He has really good form on his jumper. Like, he is going to get him up. Uh, he's also really focused on defense. Pretty good point guard. I think really the only thing, honestly, that's going to hurt him is his size. He's like 6'2", 190, something like that. Yep. Like, that's really going to be the only thing that holds him back. And he's not as dynamic as his dad of an athlete. But again, like, you watch him, and there's nothing you can pick apart in his game, really, to be like, yeah, he doesn't give effort. Because you would think, too, being LeBron James's kid, you know, he's going to mail it in all the time. But no, nah, man, he's locked in on defense. Again, he's paying attention to the minutiae in shooting footwork in trying to fit passes in places and being a good teammate. Um, I would put him in like the, I I'd put him in lottery consideration to be quite honest, just because I don't really know anybody below that right now in that class who I could say definitively like, yeah, he's going to step in. He's going to know his role and he's going to get better um, at it. If Bronny continues to, you know, put his handle on, uh, improve that handle, improve the court vision, you know, become a more well-rounded point guard. I mean, he can be a solid player. I'm not sure that he's going to be like a game changer, but right. he reminds me a little bit of LeBron's old running mate, Mario Chalmers, in those Heat teams, you know, where his main job was space out the floor for the guys, play defense, good point of attack defense on the um, on the opposition's point guard, help us do all these little things that make us win a title. Like, he can be that at the least, I think. Right. He, I really like him. Bryce, yeah. Bryce got the uh, the height advantage there, the height gene, rather, in that thing. <laughs> 
Bryce is yeah, he did. four in psychology. Six, six, yeah, six, seven, something. <laughs> he has right. the athleticism too. I mean, he he's a young kid, but I mean, like from the from the film that's starting to come out on him, you know, again, like you know, he's he's still that age. I mean, he's fifteen, so you know, you're not. We're not going to talk about you know, really talk much about him. But like the film you see of him, the kid's definitely an athlete. That's for sure. That's definitely something that jumps out. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, Bronny's fine. He as an athlete, it's just he's going to be compared to his dad. He's going to be compared to his right. brother. That's mm-hmm. just going to be the thing. But to the way he's handled it too, like you don't really see him like shoving for the spotlight. He played on Sierra Canyon with Amari Bailey, who's like a lot of people ranked him top fifteen in, in uh, yeah. this this coming draft class again at UCLA. And really, I, in the film I watched, I like Bronny a lot better than Amari Bailey. So, yeah, that's fair. Currently in the ESPN one hundred which again is, is just a, a database that's objective. You know what I mean? Or, or, or I mean, no, I mean, sub. I mean, not, obje- it's subjective. You know, a lot of it's based off of opinion and, and, and you know, uh, word fart there. Uh, but uh, currently they have Bronny James as 35th in the class and they currently have him as a four-star recruit. Um, currently he has offers from a lot of great schools. I mean, USC, Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, Memphis, and Kentucky have all made offers uh, to Bronny, but also with this current change, in theory, if he wanted to declare for the draft, he could. Uh, personally, I think he's the type of prospect where I think I think a year or two of college could probably do him pretty good. Um, you know, I, I mean, maybe at least a year. I mean, maybe that's just me personally. Uh, you know, maybe a year at Ohio State would would be a benefit to him, but at the same time. You know, if he does have that vision, if he does, and if he could play with his dad, I mean, might not be a better crash course than playing with his own father. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, All right, oh, and Steve, and Steve, I, I apologize. You go, Steve. Uh, I'm just going to say go blue. I'm a Michigan alum, so I'm going to plug that. <laughs> and I think, honestly think if the, if his like goal is let's spend a year to hone our skills, like Juwan's the guy, man. He's his dad's buddy. Yeah. They play together with the Heat. Uh, he'll play with Jet Howard up here um, as well. Like Juwan yeah. knows how to get him right in that regard. No offense to um, Ohio State and their coaching staff, but there's a difference between somebody who's been in the NBA, both as a player, as a development coach, who has the respect mm-hmm. of people like you know LeBron and you know players in the league. That'll just set him up better, I think. Yeah, and I, I, I would love to yeah. see him there. I and love just Juwan, saying, and just saying, a lot of Michigan guys are going to the league. And are playing really, really damn good basketball. Just saying. And also yep. with yep. Bronny too, like whatever school gets him, cha-ching. Because that's must see. Rather, if he plays well or he doesn't. So on top of that, um, I, honestly, I love I love the Juwan Howard fit. I really do because you have a guy who's going to understand the expectations he's coming in with, and he has that relationship like you talked about with LeBron. Um, he's going to be able to relate to him, and and for a guy to be able to you know cradle him, understand the pressure he's going through. I love the fit at Michigan. And don't forget, people at Michigan clamoring to go to those games. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the way that Bronny plays, he's a better version of Eli Brooks, who just graduated, you know, get up yeah. a bunch of threes, play some point, play some shooting guard. Like, perfect fit, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah most certainly. Now, Steve, there's, 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 like I said, there's probably two prospects in, in the recruiting world that are garnering a ton of attention. Bronny James is the big one as far as the as far as the 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 height and the and what comes with the name but i would say the most viral prospect right now and essentially a lock 
to go number one in the upcoming draft is Victor Wembanyama. He's already, he knows. Look at him. I, I already, I pretty much came, I pretty much told you, you know, I'm going to ask you about Victor Wembanyama. I, and like, and you know, my thoughts already, Steve, I, you know, like, I, I, like a lot of, even a lot of the people in, in the, uh, in the French national camp have talked about, it's not a question of if this guy can play basketball. The question is, can he stay on the court? And, and, you know, for me personally, I see why teams like Utah and San Antonio are making the decision now of, all right, yeah, it might be good. It might be good to take because this is a guy that if he comes into your franchise, I mean, that just changes your trajectory instantly. Steve, what about Victor Wembanyama makes him such a different prospect than what we've seen? Do you see, what do you think of the comparisons to like guys like Evan Mobley and Chet Holmgren? And what do you think his overall like ceiling can be? And what do you think about his trajectory as a player? Well, I mean, number one, he's been reported to be seven four, but if you follow Rafael Barlow, who's like the guy in terms of international scouting and stuff, he uh, just corrected Ant Wright, who's who was talking about. Um, Wembenyama, and he's like, you know, actually, I've heard he's been reported to be seven five without shoes. So number one, there is that. That's like Yao Ming territory, right? Two hundred forty is what he's listed at now. It's hard to tell though, because when you see him, he looks skinny, right? But I mean, seven foot five. Holy, really with a jump shot. Yeah, and then that's the thing. The next thing, it's not just a jump shot; it's the ability to create for himself. This is where I think he separates himself from Chet. Chet. Like when I did the breakdown of Chet for DBB last year, I kind of came away from it thinking he's like a Horace Grant type who like always does the little things, is a defensive monster that can um, supplement a guy like Shaq, who Horace Grant did that for in two different spots. And the reason why is because Shaq didn't want to play defense, right? So Horace Grant like did everything on that end. He spaced the floor out. And his, in his era was like, you know, that 16, 20-foot jump shot. But um, Chet was more like that too. He didn't do a lot of creation at um, Gonzaga. But he's a really, really, really good defender. Like can be your whole defense, pretty much. Wembanyama is that, but he is also somebody that has a handle that can create rebound at a high level. Um, on September seventeenth, uh, I believe it's still his most recent game. Uh, he against Hapoel Holon. He was ten of eighteen from the field. He got to the line thirteen times. He made all thirteen of those free throws. He scored thirty-four points. Uh, had four blocks, five rebounds. I mean, that's the kind of player you're looking at. In terms of ceiling, again, go follow Rafael Barlow if not, because he's said he, when he's talked to his trainer, his trainer is like, I don't think he can just be the best like prospect in this draft. I think he can be one of the best players ever, like Hakeem Olajuwon territory. I mean, obviously his trainer is going to pump him up, but you yeah. see all these numbers, you see everything, yeah. the way he moves, he can be a perimeter defender. He can defend the rim. He's obviously got some strength stuff to um, work out because he's still kind of skinny, but like, you just don't see this mix of size and skill abilities in anybody really. So he's the true sense of a unicorn. Yeah. I, I don't like that term, honestly, to be honest, because I think it's been yeah. overused a lot, but yeah, it's overused, but it's definitely overused. I agree with that. But if you were to say what the definition of, of what the unicorn term is supposed to be, he's the definition. Would he not be? No. Cause I think unicorn started with like Porzingis and the idea that this guy blocks shots and shoots threes. He can protect the Ram and he can space the floor. I, I, I yeah. think when Benyama is a different animal, a different mythical beast, maybe a Griffin or something like 
you had like Porzingis was the <laughs> unicorn. Weminyama's like a griffin or a phoenix yeah. or something like that. He's, I, he's I, still yeah. rare, but he's even rarer. That, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. That's high praise <laughs> because because yeah. I I thought of I thought of unicorn as like I thought it was a disservice to not not call him a unicorn. But to your point, it might just be a disservice to call him a unicorn because he might just be that damn good. Yeah, and like we talked about on the Pistons roundtable, the Woodward Pistons roundtable, there's a reason San Antonio, after all these years of like, we're not going to tank, we want to compete, all of a sudden they're like, no, here you go, Atlanta, here's DeJounte Murray, Uh, let's just not sign anybody and just not have a point guard, we'll figure it out. Like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a reason. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's like, it's like when the Spurs, I mean, they haven't really had that type of guy in the drafts. You know, obviously they got Kawhi through a trade in the middle of the lottery, but I mean, they haven't struck gold like that since Tim Duncan. And that would be a hell of a type of prospect to strike gold on. That's for yeah. sure. And yeah. If he doesn't go to the Pistons, I would love for him to end up in San Antonio. So, and I feel like players like Victor, like now, especially in today's NBA, like it's so positionless, like the term unicorn, like just because he's able to do multiple things, like that's going to become much more common. I get there's still guys that are stagnant, but for the most part, like you're seeing more of these guys coming out like a chat or guys that are like six, eight, six, seven, like Kate Cunningham, which their game is just so complete. Like nowadays, the NBA, you just need forwards. You need guys that can do a lot of different things. So um, he's special, man. That's for sure. Yeah, most certainly. And, you know, I, Listen, he's not going to be in Detroit. I like, like, I just don't see a world where if this season goes the way that we want it to, where we're going to be the number one pick. I mean, you know, even even if this team is in the lottery, I don't see us as being a team that would be above like the seventh or eighth pick. You know, I just think we have too much talent to be in that conversation. At least I would hope, but you never know. I mean, you even saw New Orleans with the way that the way that the NBA is approached yeah. as as approached the lottery. I mean. As you've seen, just because you get, you know, even with the Pistons this past season, just because you get top three odds doesn't mean you're a lock for that top three. So, I mean, you know, it really isn't, you know, even saying like Detroit, that's probably where they'll be around. I mean, you never know. You could get lucky, but Sean, you know, we we were doing those lottery spins. You'd hit them before this draft and guess who would get number one. All these teams from, from seven to eight, like you had, I had New Orleans get the number one pick at one of my spins. I'm like, yeah, this could happen. So you're yeah. right. It's, nothing's for sure, but I'm with you, but we'll see. You never I mean, say I mean, but Steve, if we did get Victor Wembanyama, I mean, that would be generational type talent, dynasty lock type type stuff, would it not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you brought it up too. The big thing is health. I mean, he's had some dings here and there. You can look up his injury report. He hasn't been the healthiest all the time. Um, like in Asheville, they played a bunch in Euro League, I believe, and in their uh, domestic league. So part of him moving to Metropolitan's 92 was this idea that let's get him a little bit more rest so that he's not playing like so often. That's a little worrisome, obviously, but if he sticks uh, and stands up and stays together, yeah, it's not a matter of how good Detroit can be. It's a matter of how many titles will they be holding. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And uh, it's actually going to be pretty exciting because Victor Wembanyama is actually going to be coming to the United States and we'll be playing the G League Ignite in a G League Ignite sh- in a G League uh, Ignite showcase uh, in uh, in Vegas. So there will be a pair of preseason games, and uh, Victor Wembanyama will be the headlining prospect. And uh, there are reports that like there might even be some uh, some open practices as well to the media and to scouts. I have a feeling those might be like some of the most booked, crazy to get into practices 
that will ever exist. So that gym is going to be unreal. I'm, I'm, uh, I for one will be definitely tuning in on ESPN plus if that's available because man, that guy is a special prospect. This episode of from half court is brought to you by manscaped. When we talk about post players, there is few better players in the restricted area than our friends over at manscaped with great products, such as the lawnmower 4.0 with skin safe technology, the weed whacker, their deodorants, lotions, and more manscaped is unrivaled when it comes to the men's hygiene game. Serving over 8 million balls worldwide. That's a lot of testicles, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're finding yourself in need of Manscaped products, be sure to go to manscaped.com and use code HALFCOURT at checkout because that can get you 20% off plus free shipping. Our friends at Manscaped sent us these products and I can tell you that they are absolutely for real. I have been absolutely satisfied and in love with their entire product line from boxers, t-shirts, the lawnmower 4.0 to the to the weed whacker, ear and nose trimmer. You can really not go wrong. Be sure to go to manscaped.com and use code HALFCORD at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you again to our friends at Manscaped for sponsoring this video. But Steve... Enough about all these big, sexy names. Because I get it. These are the guys that go viral. This is the guys you see on TikTok, right? I mean, Bronny, that's definitely who you see on TikTok. Victor Wembanyama, this is the guy you see on Twitter. I want to talk about, let's say, let's say things go the way I expect, right? Let's say the Pistons are in like that 7 to 10 pick range in the lottery next year. Like we have a good season, you know, not maybe not quite get the maybe not quite get into the playoffs, but you know, still have an opportunity to go get some talent in this year's draft. When you're looking at, you know, the the landscape of, of the of the prospects that are coming out, and you're looking at the big board that you're making for this upcoming draft, what specific names are you looking at? Because I mean, obviously, every single person in the world would want Victor Womanyama to be on their team. Right, every single one of us. Like, who's who's going to be number one on your big board? It's not going to take a genius to put Victor Wembanyama first, right? But I want to I want to talk realistic prospects. What are some guys that you look at a year from now and like looking at like the construction of our team and go, that guy would be nice in a Pistons uniform. I mean, Jarris Walker yeah. comes to nine first. Jarris Walker Ford. He's going to be at the University of Houston. Uh, they list him at six foot eight, two hundred thirty-five pounds. He came out of IMG Academy. Uh, what I wrote about him was wing athleticism with the skills of a power forward and the strength and length of a center. He might end up being somebody who's drafted higher because he is so impactful. But he's also like a Jaron, like a Jaron Jackson type too. To where Jaron Jackson, I believe, went third or fourth, but that was in kind of a down year. And again, he's one of those guys that was like the safe pick in that draft. And those guys always, like I said, it depends on the field. Sometimes the safe pick is a put down. Sometimes it's a positive thing. But Jairus Walker's number one, like defensively, he's ready. I think he's ready to do whatever. He can switch. He can defend centers. He he and Beef Stew together would be like a monstrous nightmare on defense. And then sprinkling Jalen Brown in there too. And maybe Jairus can play the, the three at some times too, which would be awesome. He averaged four assists 
in his final season at IMG too. So he really knows how to pass it. A lot of those are out of the block, but still you just don't see that combination. 16 points. So he, again, he's not like the go-to scorer. He's shot 40% from three, but he took like a really small sample size. I, I cannot remember off the top of my head, but it's like under 23s, I think, but still 40%. And the mid-range jumper is most of what everybody and the free throw percentage is what everybody looks at when they're saying he's going to be a good shooter. Um, and this guy looks this like mid-range a jumper that that is consistent and then he shot over 80 percent in his last two seasons in high school so everything here checks out big dude that can screen like i said wing athleticism power forward skills strength of a center he's one of those guys that the modern nba wants and he would be perfect in between sadiq beef stew cade ivy like he fills in that defensive gap athleticism gap um, in the forward spot Again, I don't know where if Beef Stew would come off the bench, what's going to come up with Duran, but he would be definitely up there of guys like I want in a Pistons uniform, please. Oh, yeah. He just looks like one of those guys when you look at the look like the positionless basketball world that we're in. I mean, just looking at the body that he has, the frame that he has, it looks like he has the frame of like a guy like a Jay Crowder and then like the athleticism and jump of a now, I'm not saying he has like uh, Hamadou Diallo type athleticism, but what I'm saying is he looks like a hell of an athlete too. So I mean, that's Troy, when you're talking Troy about Lake that Lake type Lake. of that type of combination, that's deadly. But um, what are some other names that come to mind, Steve? Like, what are some guys that you think maybe maybe not even like guys you would want to see in the Pistons, but like what are some ga- what are some guys that are going to be in these in this upcoming lottery that you think might be under like like overlooked or under underappreciated or underevaluated. Anthony Black is my number seven guy. If we're talking that the Pistons get number seven, Lamelo comps will come out, but this is a guy that also can be a point of attack defender at the point guard position. He is six foot seven, 195 pounds. I mean, he really knows how to pass the ball. If you watch the FIBA U18 tape and then Arkansas did a um, European tour as well. Like, man, he just can make those passes like nothing. I mean, Again, 6'7", 195 point guard. The scoring is the concern. Like, he doesn't always look for his own shot a lot. He's still developing as a jump uh, as a jump shooter. Um, but I think he's going to fall somewhere in between LaMelo and Lonzo, to be honest. When I watch his game, he definitely wow. makes passes and has that handle and is that tall point guard that we see with LaMelo, has that sauce, has that flavor on his passes and sees things that other guys don't. But he's not the aggressive scorer that uh, Lamelo is he's more like Alonzo where he's happy to get his teammates involved he can play tough defense and make a difference there I just don't think he's going to be as regarded as like a really top-notch scorer but he is going to be regarded as like where Alonzo is now I think where it's like yeah everybody wants that guy on his on their team because he makes a big difference yeah Absolutely. It might take him a while to get to that level of shooting though. So, but I really like Anthony Black. Again, point of attack defense on at 67195. Like he's a good defender, really committed to it. Um, yeah. which is a running theme with all these three Arkansas guys, Nick Smith, uh, Anthony Black and Jordan Walsh. Like that defense is going to be pretty monstrous because all three guys really want to get after it. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, are there any draft draft questions you have or anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I want to ask you specifically, too, because I, I want to take it back for the Pistons for a second because we're going to have more time to spend on, on prospects. I want to ask you, because you kind of hinted at it already uh, with your first prospect, but what are some things, because you had to watch the Pistons all last season, you see things, you see things, especially in a player that you're looking for that we need, the Pistons need. Uh, what are When you're looking at a prospect, or, or at least this upcoming draft, 
what kind of player are you looking for for the Pistons? Like, what what is their best fit for a prospect? Like, whether it's height, a position, whatever it is, and you can name a player as well. And maybe it is the first player you name, but who's the the best, I guess, fit in terms of the prospect you're looking for for the Pistons? Do you want a name or just like a position? I guess overall, like you don't have to give me a name, but what are you looking for? Positional, uh, wise, what are you looking for? Tangible, yeah, maybe you could say trait. overall, and then maybe you can give an yeah. example of like athletic wing. That'd be my first spot my guy. because my I, guy. I don't think Ivy, I don't think Ivy is <laughs> tall guy. enough or committed yeah. enough to be that like person that can handle threes. We yeah. don't want Kate doing that because of the offensive load, even though he can do it. Um, we're not like it. Sadiq will see this, um, this, uh, Upcoming, almost that semester is where I'm getting stuck in my my uh, teaching. This upcoming season, we'll yeah. see because he did slim down, so maybe that might be part of it. Is like they wanted to focus more on wing defense and being uh, more quick laterally and stuff. But a lot of people also have said stretch four, which makes a lot of sense too with how he rebounded the ball um, last season. But even then, you he's not like this above average athlete. And then obviously there's beef stew and Duran. I think that's going to be the investment for at least two more seasons to see like how those two work and how um, their skills develop along that path. So athletic wing would be there. I think at the top of that list is Derek Whitehead, who's going to Duke 6'6", 190. Again, another guy that can really get after it after defense. Another Montverde um, alumni there. He's got a good mid-range pull-up game. Still working on the three ball a lot. But, I mean, he's everything that Sadiq is not in – and that's no knock on Sadiq, but he's right. a creator. He's got that mid-range pull-up. Uh, he can play make some. And again, this is somebody that can guard threes and uh, holds up pretty well, pretty strong, committed to being able to handle quicker people and has strength as well to go along with it. So I think that would be like the ideal and where it's at right now. Yeah, maybe that's someone who's not like, like maybe someone that's like someone that can like fill in the blanks and maybe someone that would compliment Sadiq on the court. Yeah, I mean, we need somebody like Chris Middleton. I think the the Pistons yeah. need somebody like Chris Middleton because again, Cade's Cade's Giannis. We don't want somebody that's. I mean, I don't. I was gonna say Kyrie Irving, but I mean, everybody's got negative opinion on him in that regard. The other one that we've used uh, around DBB is CP3 and Devin Booker. Like we need Cade can be either of those guys. We just need the other one. Yeah. in that to be able to play off of him. So. We need a Michael Bridges. <laughs> right. The good thing you mentioned that. So in the article I'm working on right now, I have what's called Mikhail watch because that's shout out to Scott <laughs> from DBB. He and I have said that a lot. We need Mikhail Bridges. How can we get Mikhail Bridges to Detroit? Well, there's a bunch of guys in this um, that we're putting on Mikhail watch. So I love that. Um, yeah. And it's, it's this idea of a wing guy that has super good length that also has some upside on offense. Who's not going to be just like the fifth guy kind of standing in a corner who's going to be solid, but it's definitely going to be a big difference maker on defense, or at least you hope so. Um, then there are a couple guys in this. I don't know if you want to like start me to start just rambling off names or what. Well, I want to, I want to base go off your point you made real quick and then you can get into it. Cause I, I love what you said, because that's the one thing I talked about. Cause people all year crapped on Jeremy Grant, which 
was undeservedly so because of what he brought, not even offensively, defensively. Like, you know, with Jeremy Grant, you could throw him on a Kevin Durant or a Giannis Antetokounmpo, although those guys are impossible to stop. At least you can help slow them down with his length. So I'm glad you brought that up because the loss of Jeremy, I think that the, the Pistons desperately need a guy like Jeremy. I mean, maybe you don't like the the mindset of Jeremy and what he's you know built like, but you get rid of him, you don't want to pay him. But to draft a rookie like Jeremy Grant, every Pistons fan would love that. So I'm glad that you said an athletic wing with length because that's the exact same thing we've been saying on, on this show as well. So I'm glad you brought it up. And then now you can name some more prospects because I love what you're doing. Well, I think Jordan Walsh is maybe at the top of Mikhail. Watch, he's going to be the another guy out of Arkansas. He's listed at six foot seven, two hundred pounds, but this dude is lanky. Like when you see him, it's go go gadget arms, man. And he's another guy <laughs> that really, really loves playing defense and loves smothering like the opposition. Knows how to use that length knows how to play in passing lanes. Like you see him poke out the ball so much just because guys aren't ready for how long his arms are. Um, can move laterally as well. Like he could really be anywhere from two to a four, depending on how a team wants to develop him, if they want to bulk up a, a little more. Uh, just like Mikhail Bridges, right? Um, I think he's probably tops on that list. Um, yeah. the, Thompson tw- the Thompson twins, depending on how you look at them, could be in that one. I think Asar more than Amon because Amon has point guard handle and point guard vision for sure. Um, he just played uh, mega Nikola Durasic, who's another guy in this um, top 20, and he dished out a bunch of assists and really did look like a point guard, whereas Asar is still working on kind of uh, finding his role. But the thing you cannot knock both of these, these guys on is defense. Like, again, they are super committed, very explosive, very athletic, and they really will get up in your face and just frustrate you to where you can't do anything because they can run with point guards. They can handle power forwards, maybe not so much centers, but another guy that I think could be on Mikhail watch. And with that athleticism, I mean, that's why everybody's so high on them is because you can utilize that athleticism in a bunch of different ways, but their jump shot is going to be even further behind than where Mikhail Bridges was coming into the league. That's going to be the big thing there. Final one, I think is Chris Livingston out of Kentucky. Uh, they list him at six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds. Um, I always designate me and uh, Scott I, over at DBB. Shout out Scott again. Have designated this the Cal clamps, meaning the Calipari clamps. Every year <laughs> at Kentucky, there's always a guy right that everybody's like, I don't know, he didn't shoot the three well. I don't know, he looked like a role player. I don't know, he he just kind of was standing around the corner. And yet every year, from Eric Bledsoe to Ty Ty Washington, this uh, past year. It happens every year because Cal gets you in a system where you have to play a role. He's going to prepare you for the NBA and it's going to work. Livingston, like when they, they just did a tour in the Bahamas um, over the summer, they played like four or five teams and Livingston and case and Wallace were the two like really high profile freshmen. Wallace worked his way in the starting lineup. He's another guy I really like, uh, but Livingston still is coming off the bench. So he might end up in like this Devin Booker type role of coming off the bench standing in the corner, mainly being a shooter, definitely being a defender as well. Um, another guy that's strong, long, and really Cal always gets them right on defense. So I, I don't have any fears there as well. He'd be another guy. And, and he's kind of under the radar right now because all these other guys are, are vaulting him. And again, he might be stuck on the bench. He might be that Kentucky guy like Emmanuel Quickly or Devin Booker, like I said before, yeah. that kind of gets buried, not by his own account, but just because Kentucky's right. trying to win a championship, man. Yeah, it's still crazy to me that that, Devin Booker was so good. It came off the bench. It just boggles That team was mind. stacked, man. Yeah, man. Unreal talent. Unreal. But 
I mean, it just shows how crazy it is. And I do want to, uh, you know, real quick before uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Amani Bates story before we end the podcast. But, you know, before we get there, I want to ask, you know, as a guy that goes and dives in and watches a lot of these, you know, prospects and goes and does a lot of evaluations. What was your evaluation on Cade Cunningham? And, and before the Pistons came into the equation, was he someone that you were eyeing on for the Pistons or hoping that he, that they could get? And what was your, what was your honest unbiased evaluation of him as a prospect? Devin Booker on offense, Jason Tatum on defense. That was my oh. evaluation of him because he did a oh. lot on that defense for Oklahoma State. And then on, on non-offense, he was a creator, but he, was, he wasn't like a point guard first. He was more of a scorer that is going to use that as leverage to get his teammates easy shots, which is why Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State was able to get to the tournament because he remembered, I have to score first. And that's going to set up everybody else like Devin Booker does. Man, you just spoke. You just spoke directly to me there. That was so good. That was so good. And he was the one guy, too, that like where you can't really give a one to one comparison because of how many different things he can do, which, again, going back to Victor Wemanyama, you can't really give a comparison on these guys that are considered consensus number one for a long time because they normally can do so much. Then you just don't see it that often that you can't find a comp for them. Yeah, Jeff. What, what I I know for me, I I was like, we'll be good with whoever we get. But in the back of my head, I was like, gosh, please, I want Kate Cunningham so bad. I'm not sure what your thoughts were leading up to it because you know, obviously, we our friendship, we've had the luxury of just having Kate Cunningham in our lives the entire time. But what were your thoughts leading up to that draft and leading up to that lottery? I'll never forget it. I uh, I just started at Woodward. I was there for a couple months already. And when Cade, when this narrative came around with the Jalen Green versus Cade Cunningham comparisons, there were some people that still were were on the Jalen Green train. But for me, I just wanted the most complete player. Like this is a position the Pistons are in. They have to, you know, uh, this is the, supposed to be the new era of Pistons basketball. Whoever you take as your franchise player, for me, not even just what Cade does off on the court, but it was off the court for me as well. Like his leadership, everything he brings, his intangibles, like what he does on the basketball court, watching a lot of local the state like you could tell he was he's special like you said he was set his teammates up score later like he could get to his spots at will but off the court like that's a franchise player and when we got him when the, when the pick was announced it was confirmed before man I was I was enlightened because I knew we were getting a franchise player not saying Jalen Green isn't but in terms of what he can do how he can you know the Putting a guy in that position at that age for a franchise that needs to come out of the 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 for, from an Andre Drummond Blake Griffin era, like you need a guy like Cade, you really do. So I, I was I was ecstatic, man. I had the best time covering that after the draft because everybody was, you know, on the same page. It's kind of like this following year with Jay Ivey. Like it's great covering a draft when everybody's on the same page and it goes the way you expected and you don't mess up. This isn't Luke Kennard going, you know, when you saw it was clearly Donovan Mitchell. This is Cade. Jaden Ivey. And, th- and I want to ask you before, if we have a couple of minutes, your evaluation on Jaden Ivey too, because that was one topic that I, we would, me and Sean would have these arguments with people all the time about like, you know, this prospect, this prospect, this prospect, Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey, you know, all these guys for you, what was the thing that stood out to you about Jalen, uh, Jaden Ivey and then coming closer to the draft, like him in a Pistons uniform, what'd you think of it in terms of fit? I don't like it. Um, I'm somebody that is not high on Jaden Ivey. I, I don't want to like oh. rain in your parade where you're like, yeah, everybody's, Everybody, it's in, okay, Steve. We all reserve the right to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll be a, a like fine that. player. I'm not going to say he's a. 
I'm not going to say he's a bust. Right. He'll just your evaluation. Number one, but positive, start positively. He'll get to the free throw line. I think he'll get to the free throw than Jeremy Granted, to be quite honest. And they'll run him on – I hope they run him on the same actions that they ran Grant on with, like, these curls and pin downs because Jay Nivey is really good off the ball. I don't think that gets talked about enough, and that's how right. he generated a lot of his offense. Shooting's going to take a while. Um, we talked about it ad nauseum on Woodward Pistons a lot. Or he yeah. shot 30% from three once the calendar turned to 2022 and competition yeah. ranked up. It's not great. Uh, he struggled at times to say over 70% from the free throw line. Also not a good indicator. The mid-range is the definite one. Like he doesn't have a mid-range yes, yet. And yes, again, I understand. Again, I'm a Michigan alum, so I understand Big Ten basketball and the clog the paint and whatever. But the two bigs didn't always play together um, all the time. They kind of you know, swap Travion Williams and uh, Zach Eady in and out. So it wasn't super clogged. Ivy also played with two or three, excuse me, three 40% and above three-point shooters at all times with Hunter Thompson and um, Sasha Stavanovich in there. So he had like quite a bit of spacing more than I think people think. And with all that, he took only 27 shots in the mid-range. That's going to be something that is going to take a while to perfect um, yeah. like we talked about in the last Woodward, Woodward Pistons, I think like if you go look up rookie year, uh, Victor Oladipo, I don't want to look up those stats again. I think it's something like that. 12 points, 11 points. Um, again, he'll get to the free throw line. I think a lot, but that mid range is tough. And then on defense, I think is where he has the most to work on. And I've put together clips. I'll try and put together a DVB article before the season, just because little things like sliding your feet, not staying on your heels, um he like if you just pull up the wisconsin film and both of those johnny yeah. davis in the first game cooked him put him on his hip put him in really bad spots got him in foul trouble he got frustrated in that game the second game chucky hepburn just shot the lights out over him and shot the game winner right in his face because again he's on his heels he's not in a defensive stance that cost them the game and you see him at the end put his head down and realize like i messed up those are going to be little things again that that's why i question the fit because Cade needs a spacer and a point of attack defender. Not saying Ivy can't do it. I think it's just going to take longer. I think, yeah, it's definitely going to take longer. And and I think to your point, I think it's, I I think people uh, like, I think people love like the potential of it and automatically like anoint them to be like what we hope they can be. And I think just what you're touching on is just the reality of, this isn't the perfect fit. Like, like if we're talking about, like, if the Pistons were to draft off of fit, they probably would have went with Benedict Matherin. Or the if, yeah, if yeah. available, if, if, ava- if available, if available, <laughs> they probably would have they would they probably would have went with Keegan Murray if just solely off of fit. If we're being honest, however, I think what they saw was the fact that a guy like Cade Cunningham is a guy that you can generally not have the guy that might be the perfect fit, but the ceiling of what they can be is perhaps the highest because of Ivy's athleticism. Ivy's, you know, like it's not the best jump shot, but it's not like the worst base to start off of either. I would say. And I think what the difference is between, because he's always compared to Russell Westbrook. Right. And I think the, I think, which is an unfair comparison. I think it's an unfair comparison. It's an unfair comparison too, because I think, for me, when I look at the similarities, I definitely see the the similarities in the game-changing speed on the court. I think I see, like, in the athleticism, you know, their ability to, like, create plays for others. But I think the difference is, is that Jaden Ivey is the son of a coach. Jaden Ivey 
you know, is, is a, is a, is a rat in the gym. He's a guy that goes really hard, but also he's a guy that's always working to, you know, grow his game and to improve as a player. Whereas I think Russ is a guy is who I'm going to go out and I'm going to cook the way that I cook and I'm going to play the way that I play and I'm going to be who I am. And I think that we've seen his unrelenting, you know, ability to, you know, he doesn't want to change. He doesn't want to be anyone other than himself. I think it's ultimately been his downfall. But I think for a guy like Jaden Ivey, I think he wants to put in the work and to make that work and to make that fit be a reality because I think he sees the upside of that too. So if I can uh, shift gears for a minute, though, like if you talk about fit and like how you would find somebody in that other guard spot who would fit next to Cade. I mean, Scoot Henderson's the other guy that, that like, to me, honestly, the more I've delved into him, the more I understand, like, oh, like, I know we have Ivy, but Scoot is another guy, like, you should not pass up and does have these qualities that complement Cade, and you just take the talent. And like you said with Cade, we'll just figure it out, right? You figure it out in that regard. I can give you some numbers on Scoot. 6'2", 195. Um, obviously, the size is, like, might be a thing for some people. Uh, to me, it does not matter. Because number one, this is a kid that was 17 years old in the G League and posted these numbers I'm about to tell you. He had a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, 88 assists to 44 turnovers. This is in 21 games. He shot 48.6% on his pull-up jumpers inside of the arc, which is 36 of 74. He only took six um, pull-up threes, but he was three of six on those, so at least he hit them at a good rate. And then his ability to finish at the rim was 64% on shots within five feet of the basket. He was 44 of 74 on those shots. Has super athleticism. He's been compared to uh, D. Rose, John uh, John Wall. Has some um, work to do on the defensive end, like Ivy. But again, he has he's another year to own that in the G League. Yeah, he's got the wingspan. And I honestly think he's a better athlete than Ivy. Ivy's more straight line, whereas Scoot has shown the ability to operate and pick and roll. That two-to-one assist at 17, 18 years old when you should be in high school, and that pull-up jumper, 48.6, like that is not seen in anybody. Like that is super advanced. That's something that like 10-year vets wish they had, right? That's something that like Sadiq wishes he had right now. You know, that's something that Kate is working on right now. Like that is rarefied air. That'd be somebody that, again, it looks like a perfect fit next to Cade that can draw attention away, create easier shots for him, and has that athleticism to drop the hammer to really pull people into the rim. I, I will push back in the sense, though, that like the guy hasn't even played a damn game yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I am excited about Ivy in like over, overall, like, you know. I, I definitely understand that, like, you know, Scoot Henderson is definitely a heck of a prospect. And, like, you know, even just watching Kosovo right now, definitely like what I see. But I think, you know, I, I think with I think with Ivy, I think there's a lot to like of, you know, I, I don't think, like I said, like, I don't think the fit is seamless day one. But I also don't think it's a bad fit day yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I'm just getting out in front of, like, by the time the draft rolls around that they shouldn't say, oh, we have Ivy, don't take a guard. Just like you shouldn't say, Oh, we have Duran. Don't take a center. If there's somebody sure. there that is, you know, like this rare that you don't see this in a 17, 18 year old kid, like you yeah. take them and figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great point. And I think, and I think you're making the good point of saying, don't restrict yourself at that point just because you have a player. I think, you know, it's just like, you know, you see the best teams go out and like, well, we'll figure it out, quite frankly, you know, and like, you know, who knows? Like, right. Like the Pistons have already shown that, that this year with Killian. Uh, with Killian, Ivy, and K, that they that they want to figure out like a three guard lineup. So who knows? 
maybe they'd want to do a Henderson IVK lineup. They, you know, you never know. The Pistons can always, you know, that that's that's the luxury of making the of doing drafts and, and having this type of having this type of, of general manager and coach. They could be pretty creative with this stuff. So I think they're in that luxury. But I do want to touch real bit real quick before we end the podcast on Amani Bates. This is a guy that um, you know, uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, you know, whenever they don a prospect that generally brings weight because uh, they did it one time with this one kid they called the chosen one. And he, uh, I think his name was LeBron James. I think he had an okay career, uh, you know, over in Canada or something. Not entirely sure, but, uh, oh, Cleveland. It's practically Canada. But uh, Imani Bates. Don't, don't, uh, don't diss Canada like that. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They don't, de- they don't deserve to be c- compared to Ohio, Ohio. But anyway, um, uh, Imani Bates uh, was arrested today uh, on two felony gun charges. And um, unfortunately, his uh, college career and his playing career in general right now is looking a little bit more in doubt. I don't really want to go into, you know, the, the I don't really want to go into the character stuff. I don't really want to go into like any any of that because I just, you know, I just for one hope just pray that Imani's OK he gets help and that, you know, and that he can turn her, turn this around at some point. But yeah, I, I think this is just an important conversation of, you know, a lot of being a great prospect isn't just about what he brings on the court. It's about like, you know, we talk about Cade Cunningham being the number one pick as a player. He was the number one pick as a person too. Right. Um, but at the same time, just how much pressure these guys face. I mean, Steve, we were just talking about how much scrutiny Amani Bates has faced over the years. How unfair is that to a guy like him? And I, and quite frankly, like what should this teach us about the recruiting process and about putting these types of titles on these type on these young of guys? Yeah. So when we were talking beforehand, I was telling you guys, like, I don't like to really watch film until the guys are entering college because of this idea I mean, and if you remember Russell Westbrook kind of unloaded on the media a couple of years ago when he was on Washington saying, like, you guys put narratives on guys and, like, you don't even know them, right? And it's, like, magnified even more for what was the money, like 16 years old or whatever? Yeah. And then put him on the cover. It's impossible. It's hard for a 30-year-old man to be able to to handle that that kind of a pressure. And then all of the latchers on, like, there's going to be latchers on no matter what, right? And if you don't have that circle that small circle around you Mm -hmm. too of people that say look this person's not like about you this person's not looking out for you or two when your ego gets too big they're like you're an idiot i remember when like you were like drunk at denny's or something like that you know that put you in check like that not to say that omani doesn't have those in his life but it just seems like you know bad decision after bad decision and hopefully this can be a wake-up call i also think like Anybody that is going to put that label of him being a bad kid or like a thug or whatever, like get out of here, go watch that documentary ESPN did the trial of Allen Iverson. Like, let's not repeat that again. This is a kid. He made a mistake. Let him learn from it. Move on. Don't put a label on him. If I had my life publicized when I was 19 years old, like I would probably look worse than a buddy. And think about it too. And today, in, in today's world of social media, and today's world of covering and just media in general, like things get out so quickly. And not just that, they get 
across nationally very quickly. So, and the world of money's in, it's sad. I mean, I'm not obviously going to go into the situation because we need more facts to come out. I want to speak on it, but just yeah. for my opinion about Amani, I mean, from a young age, you'd be crowned the next Kevin Durant. Like, not only does that put a lot of pressure on anybody, that's why I hate giving guys, you know, handing the next whoever. Like, remember when OJ Mayo was supposed to be the next MJ or the next? And he had actually a decent career, but still, he never lived up to those expectations. It's just unfair to say guys are going to be X, you know, Y or Z, the next Kobe, whoever it is. Like, for Imani, it was never fair to put those expectations on him, and it's sad to, to say the least. Not even just this situation. Going back to Memphis. Like I remember watching him at Enfys and, and seeing the relationship between him and Party, Penny Hardaway and seeing what Penny was able to do with guys like Jalen Duran. It's just there's clearly a character issue. And again, is that Amani? Is that who, his circle that he's grew up with? Like, is it his ego? I don't know what it is. I don't know the guy personally, um, but it's sad to see. I mean, he's got he's got tremendous talent and whatever it is, character wise, his mindset, whatever it is. I think Steve absolutely hit it on the head. Like it's it's about the circle he has. Like with LeBron, guys would call him out because those are guys you grew up with. Like with Amani, I don't know his circle. I don't know if it's guys he grew up with, but they're not looking out for his best interests. I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure. Now, one uh, one last thing before we do end the podcast, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski just actually dropped an interesting clarification on the reporting that was done today by Shams. Um, saying while lowering the 19 and over eight draft age will be a significant part of the NBA, NBA PA collective bargaining discussion, sources tell mm. ESPN nothing is advanced on elimination of the one and done rule. So um, it does right now look like it is something that will be discussed. But as of right now, it looks like it's not something that's entirely a locked deal. So we will be definitely evaluating that and looking closer and closer as things go on. But in addition, we will definitely be talking more and more draft as the season goes on. And when that is, Steve will definitely be coming back. Steve, thanks so much for coming on the pod, man, and filling in and being our third guy this week. But, dude, thanks for thanks for talking draft with us, man. Dude, you, you, you know, like you say, dude, there's it's never too early to talk about the draft, even if it's not even training camp yet. And so, you know, like I just appreciate you. And, man, seriously, we're definitely yeah. going to be having you on more and more throughout the year to talk about prospects. You're the yeah, man, happy to be here. I feel like I just barely scratched the surface, so I'm happy to come on. And uh, there, what the fun part about it too is, there's a bunch of guys that I haven't even broken out yet. Like, yeah, dude, last that's the- last year, like nobody really talked about Bryce McGowan's a bunch, and then he he broke out. Um, I mean, there's always risers that that just come out of nowhere. Even Johnny Davis, like I think it was either Mavs draft or. Um, Draft dumb. He's one of those guys. He was the only guy I heard like say, "Ah, oh, maybe this guy will get first round consideration." And then, bam, he's national player of the year. You know, so yeah, I mean, those guys that pop up. Yeah, absolutely, man. So be sure you bookmark this episode so that a year from now, when these guys are you know in the NBA and we're talking about what they're going to be doing in the upcoming years, you can remember that Steve is the one that told you about it first. But also, <laughs> be, be sure that you remember because some of these guys that we're talking about. We could be talking about as wanting to be Pistons in the future. And that's what it's all about here, man. Because I'm from half court. We are wanting to predict and talk to all things basketball, whether it's in the present, whether it's in the past, but also even if it's in the future. So be sure that you're subscribed so you see what's coming out on this channel in the future and in the days to come. But also be sure you're following Steve on Twitter at Burkay Worldwide. And then also my guy, Jeff Iafrady, and everything he's doing on the morning we're show, but also if you're feeling charitable, be sure to follow your boy at Sean Half Court as well. 
but Jeff also he's the you know he's the he's the handsome one so that's the one you really want to follow but with <laughs> that thank you all so much for watching thank you for listening be sure to like comment and subscribe we'll catch you guys next time from half court see you guys